morning, everyone. Um, I started going to church as a little girl. I was about four years old, and I was taken with my grandmother. My parents were not practicing Catholics. That's what I went to. And at that time, the sermons were done in Latin, so I didn't understand a word. But I liked going because my grandmother bought me a little purse and gloves to wear, so I went. And she, I'm sure, didn't understand it either. Probably nobody. Um, but anyways, she did teach me one thing. She taught me that there is a God that lives in the heavens and that I was to do good all the time because he was watching all of us and everything we did. So that stayed in my head all those years. Of course, it didn't stop me from doing some bad things, as we all do, especially when you become a teenager. But anyways, I went to church all those years with her, and then she passed away when I was 16. Then I kept going to church with my sisters. I took them, and then I got married in the church, also the Catholic church. But then after that, I stopped going to the Catholic church. I didn't agree with a lot of the things that were being taught. I didn't know why we had to do communion, um, some other things that had they had us do. They never had us read out of the Bible or study the Bible, ever. So I quit. And I went a few years without going to church, and then I decided, well, I'm going to go to this new church over on 6th Street, the Pentecostal church. So I took my, myself and the girls, and we went, and I was there a couple weeks maybe because they scared me. I didn't agree with all the running up and down. They did the aisles and yelling and speaking in tongues. I go, I don't know what that's about. And, of course, I didn't know how to read the Bible or look up scriptures or anything. They didn't uh, teach us any of those things either. So I quit that really quick. And, again, I went a few years without going to any church. Then I had some people come to my door, Jehovah's Witnesses, and they asked me, they asked me a couple questions, and then, they asked me if I wanted to study the Bible. And I said, okay, sure. So I started the Bible study with them once a week, and they came. And I really liked what they were saying. Um, I wasn't sure if it was all true or anything, but it tickled my ears, as they say. You, if it sounds good, you want to hear it, and you want more. So I got involved with them, and um, we had Bible study, but they out of their Bible, the New World Translation. And they said it was just like ours, just worded a little differently, easier for us to understand. And I said, okay, I'll go along with that. So I did. And I stayed with them for like six years, and that was in the 80s. I even got baptized. And I even went door to door like they did and um, trying to talk to people about things. But then... As time went by and I learned a little bit about the Bible, I started questioning them. And um, I didn't agree with them, so I stopped going to them. That was a long time ago, and I didn't go to church again for 25 years at least. I didn't step foot in any church. I didn't know where to go. Uh, and then I worked at Walmart with my friend Donna, and we always kept in touch. And I moved away to Texas, and I never went to church over there either didn't want to, came back to California after 10 years, and my friend Donna invited me to Easter services here. And I came here 
And I heard Pastor Dean's sermon, and I loved it. I liked what he did with his sermons and the teaching that he gave and the way that he explained things. Um, I fell in love with this little church and, and everything in it, and I started learning more and more about Christ. I didn't know what being saved was, and now I do. Um, I said I started in April for Easter, and by August of the same year I was baptized. I knew this is where I needed to be. God brought me here. And, yes, I've been so happy and so glad that I'm learning so much more. And now I know what he has done, our God, our Lord, what he has done in my life over the past 50 years. He was there all along. He was helping me all along with everything that I went through. And I went through some things, but I went through them now understanding that I was supposed to do that, that he had planned that for me. And now if people need help, I know what I can do to help them if, I, if that comes to that point. I'm just so thankful for him, for being our Savior for saving me, and I'm just glad that we have him in our lives always, and we depend on him. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marjorie. I'd like to welcome up Pastor Larry now for the sermon for today. Oops, thank you, Margie. That was so wonderful. Wow. I'm glad you got there. Oh, that's okay, love. I think, uh, oh, I got plenty of supply down here. Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> I got, <laughs> she's just taking care of me down there. Thank you, love. Thank you, brother. All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Amen, amen. Um, you know, when I came in this morning, uh, the sanctuary, little, uh, I came into the sanctuary and I noticed uh, uh, Chuck and, and Jacob were working on the sound system, making sure all the mics were right. Because I was kind of concerned, you know, sometimes these little mics wear out with the batteries and stuff. And, and uh, that gave me a lot of comfort. I want to thank you guys for the work you do, making sure the sound is good and all the preparation you do for the service. So thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Also, what a wonderful job our praise team, huh? Don't you love our praise team? Uh, thank you, Casey, for your leadership, Chuck, and uh, Brian. Wow, you guys are great. I really love it. Really love it. Um, and, man, we have a couple prayer requests this morning. We want to pray for uh, uh, Deborah Collins is in the hospital. Uh, also, Mary Cretion is, uh, is, is not feeling well. And so we want to pray for them. Okay, so let's go ahead and bow, bow together in prayer. Dear Lord God, uh, you are uh, uh, the healing God, Lord, and uh, we know you have the, the power, Lord, to heal. And we just pray for Deborah Collins right now, Lord, in the hospital. And she just needs your healing touch, Father. Uh, please uh, uh, minister to her by your spirit and give her your healing, Lord. We just pray as a, as a church right now for Deborah. 
We also pray for Mary, Lord, who's not feeling well uh, again, Lord. We just pray that you uh, minister your minister to her, Lord, and uh, uh, just bring her back to health, Lord. Just give her, give her your touch, Lord. Give her your healing touch, her rest and renewal in her body, Lord. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this morning, uh, we're actually, we have a new year, so I'm going to start with a new series, and it's going to be in the Gospel of John. So if you'd like to prepare, we're going to look at John 1 in just a little bit. We'll turn to to John chapter 1. We're going to, I'm going to do a series all the way through the Gospel of John. Okay. Um, You know. As we start this new year, 2022, you know, um, John, John is a good one to start with. John was one of the closest of disciples of Jesus. You know, there, there was three of the 12 that were like an inner circle that were the closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, okay? And John, he, he wrote this gospel um, about Jesus um, to prove that he conclu- proved conclusively that he was the Son of God and that in believing in him, uh, a person who believes in Jesus has eternal life. I mean, that's his theme throughout, not only the gospel, but his letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, of eternal life is found in Jesus. Now, he wrote primarily to, to new believers and to non-believers. He, he, he wrote to those that were searching for truth, searching for light, searching for understanding, uh, that to, to know God. You know, there's a uh, Christian apologist, well-known apologist by the name of Josh McDowell. Anybody heard that name? Josh McDowell um, uh, talks about his search uh, as a young man, uh, but he wasn't searching for Jesus. He was actually searching uh, to deny Jesus. Uh, he tells a story about as a child, uh, growing up in a family with a, his father was an alcoholic, and the pain that he went through due to his father. Um, I got a chance to to listen to him uh, back in 2007. He spoke at Big Valley Grace Community Church here in Modesto, and he told his his a little bit of his life story, and and the, the Modesto Bee reported on it, and they talked about how he shared about the shame and loneliness he experienced growing up with a father that beat his mother and beat his older brother, and he said he just wanted him dead. I mean, it was pretty traumatic. He said, I really wanted, all I wanted for him is to stop hurting my mother. Apparently, his father claimed to be a Christian, and uh, he said, McDowell said, I had a guilt. I had a guilt that it was all really my fault. And the Modesto B said his guilt turned into anger. His anger turned against God against, and against Christianity. He thought all Christians were idiots. That's his words, right? You know. Uh, so a, bit late, a little bit later in his life, he actually went on a, a quest or a, yeah, he, he was going to try to prove that Christianity was false. Okay? That... Um, that Christianity was, uh, that Jesus was not divine. So he researched and he researched and he, had, he got an enormous amount of data. And with all this data, he, he came to the final conclusion that it only pointed to one thing. 
he was wrong. <laughs> you know, he, he, he pointed to the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Savior. He was the Son of God. He was the Lord of all. And he, he ended up writing a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I'll talk to you more about that in, in a little while. Uh, defending the faith. And he found Jesus in his life. He quotes in this book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, a, a, a philosopher by the name of Soren Kierkegaard. And Kierkegaard talks about faith like, uh, he says, he, call, he calls it a leap into the dark. And Josh McDowell says, for him, finding Jesus Christ wasn't a leap into the dark. Yeah, you probably know where I'm going with this. He said it, is a, it was a leap into the light. There you go. A leap into the light. Jesus is that light. As we're going to read here in just a moment, John chapter 1, John talks about Jesus as the light. Okay? So let's go ahead and, and look at our Bible, John 1. If, you, if you're able and willing, if you'll stand with me. Oh, and I thank you for that beautiful visual, uh, Jacob, about the light. I asked Jacob if he'll give me a, a visual on the light. He gave us a great candle there about the light of Jesus. And it says this, John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to those that were, that were his own, but his own did not recognize him. Yet, all who receive him to those who believe in his name he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God amen you may be seated amen Joshua Joshua McDowell said coming to faith in Jesus Christ was like jumping into the light. Leaping into the light. The Apostle Paul tells us Christ is the light. Christ is the light of life. Christ is the light of life. If you have a bulletin, you, you might want to follow along. There's an outline on the back, and Christ is the light of life. He shows us the light of God. He shows us the love of God. He shows us the power of God. He shows us the holiness of God. Jesus Christ, in what he does and who he is, reveals to us God's nature. He reveals to us everything we need to know about God. He reveals to us uh, the answers for those who are searching for God. 
You know, one theologian, John R.W. Stott, talks about those that are seeking God and finding him, finding God in Jesus when he says it this way. If you find it hard to believe in God, I strongly advise you to begin your search not with philosophical questions about the existence of a being, the being of God, but with Jesus of Nazareth. If you read again the story of Jesus and read it with an honest and a humble heart, Jesus Christ is able to reveal himself to you and to make thus to make God real to you. Find him in Jesus. Jesus is able to reveal himself to you. In what we just read, John describes Jesus as the light, the light of life. In his life is the light. It's the light revealed in all creation. Jesus' light is the light revealed in all creation. All visible creation reveals the creator. It reveals the fingerprints of God. The design, the beauty, the glory of creation reflects the creator. Creation reflects the creator. Jesus' light is revealed in all of creation. Why? Because it says in verse 1, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was with God. He's co-eternal with God. He is a co-creator with God. He is everything in Jesus' very nature. His nature is God. Now, this, this verse begins to open up for us the, the doctrine of the Trinity. That within the nature of the one God, there's a triune nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus has always existed along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us he existed as the Word. Did you see it there? It's in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was called the Word. We'll get to this next week, but verse 14 tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or when, I, when we get to the next, uh, the next teaching. But Jesus is the light of life. His light is revealed in all creation, and it is revealed as the source of creation. The source. Verse 3 says, In Him all things were made, and without Him nothing else was made. Nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was before all things. He existed with God as God, the Word, from eternity. This is echoing. John is echoing. The creation account in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is echoing that verse, telling us the universe did have a beginning. It had a first cause. It had a source. It has a beginning. Now, scientists have not always been happy with the fact that the universe had a beginning. Before this theory of the Big Bang was uh, accepted by scientists, the Big Bang Theory, many, many scientists believed that the, the universe was eternal. It had no beginning. 
And because of that, they were happy because they didn't have to worry about the question, was there a God that started it all? But then, but then, discoveries began to be made. In 1965, two researchers at Bell Laboratories discovered there was a radiation that surrounded the earth. There is a radiation that surrounds the earth. And it had wavelengths that are exactly what you would expect if there were a great explosion. Scientists also discovered that the universe is expanding. That galaxies are moving away from each other at enormous speeds, just like it would if there were, a, uh, there were a gigantic explosion. So today, virtually every scientist today believes the universe had a beginning. And they believe that's how it began. They call it the Big Bang. Now, Robert Jastrow was, he's the late Robert Jastrow. He was a director at NASA for many years. And he wrote an article in the New York Times about how this affected scientists, this discovery that the universe had at the beginning, and how it relates to Genesis 1-1. Okay? I'm going to read to you a little bit of this. He says, uh, he interviewed one, 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 one of the uh, scientists, an astronomer, astronomer at MIT, who said, I would like to reject the Big Bang Theory, but I, I have to face the facts. And Jastrow said that's, that was the reaction of most, most common reaction of scientists. They wanted to reject it, but they had to face the facts. Why? He says, I think part of the answer is that scientists cannot bear the thought of a natural phenomenon that can't be explained. There's a kind of religion, he says, in science. It's a religion of a person who believes every event in the universe is explainable in rational means as a product of some previous events. Cause and effect. Uh, consider the immensity of the problem, he says. Science has proved the universe exploded at, into being at a certain moment. It asks, what caused this effect? Who or what put matter in the universe? And he says, and I thank him for saying this, science cannot answer that question. Uh, science cannot answer it. He contrasts the believing theologians with the scientists. The theologians that all along believed Genesis 1, 1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, with the scientists who were shocked to, to come to the, the realization it did come into being somehow. The matter and energy somehow just appeared. He goes like this. This development was unexpected by all but the theologians, they, they have always accepted the Bible in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. But the scientists did not expect to find evidence for an, an abrupt beginning. He says, the scientists who live by faith in the power of reason, for them, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. And he pulls himself over the final rock, and he's greeted by a band of theologians that have been sitting there for centuries. <laughs> <laughs>
You see, science can't explain who was there before the creator, before creation, but the Bible can. Amen? The Bible tells us what was who was there before creation, and it was God. It was God. What does it say? It says, in the beginning, God created. You know, the Bible tells us, Hebrews 11, verse 3, that God spoke the universe by his command. We, it says it like this. We understand now by faith that by God's command, the universe was formed. So that which is visible was made by that which is not seen, 11, Hebrews 11, verse 3. God spoke it into existence. It did have a beginning. John chapter 1, verse 3, in the beginning was the word. In the verse 3, through him all things were made, talking about Jesus. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is the source of creation. His light is revealed in all creation. It's the source of all creation. And it's shining in the dark. Verse 4 and verse 5. It tells us, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Another translation would say, the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not absorbed it. The darkness did not accept it. Jesus' light pierces the darkness. So it causes it to vanish. It causes it to flee. The very first words of God in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, chapter 1 and verse 3, let there be light. And the darkness had to flee. And the darkness had to flee. Jesus' light pierces the darkness. Now there is visual darkness. And there was moral darkness. When Jesus refers to Satan, his work, and his power, he's referring to moral darkness. If you'd like to turn with me in Acts chapter 26, Jesus makes an appearance to a man named Saul. Saul is the one we know as the Apostle Paul. But before he became a Christian, the Bible refers to his Hebrew name Saul. Saul, as many of you remember, was on the road to Damascus. And uh, he was going to, there to persecute the Christians who at that time were called followers of the way. That's the first name Christians were given, was followers of the way. So he was there with his, his comrades, uh, walking. It was around noontime. He almost reached Damascus. And all of a sudden, this bright light, brighter than the sun, flashed around him. Paul fell to the ground, blinded, helpless, and he heard a voice. And the voice came from this light. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, uh, Saul, in desperation, he just said, who, who are you, Lord? And the voice came from the light, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. How was Paul, how was Saul persecuting Jesus? He was persecuting the believers in Christ in whom Christ dwells. And so 
Paul, or Saul rather, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let's pick it up there. Acts 26, verse 16. Jesus said, now get up and stand on your feet. And I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. And then he explains to Paul that he's going to send him to the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are non-Jewish people. Anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. And then, I want you to listen closely why, in verse 18 now, why he explains why he's sending him. Let's take a look. Acts 26, verse 18. I am sending you to open their eyes to turn them, listen now, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus says to Paul, I'm calling you to be a witness, to open their eyes that they might find forgiveness. You know, it's when we turn to the light of Christ, we realize we need forgiveness. Amen? That's when we we see his light, we see our darkness. And Jesus said they're going to find forgiveness of sins through faith in in me. Jesus called Paul to be a witness to his light. Not only did he call Paul to be a witness of his light, he called John the Baptist to be a witness of his light. And we're going back to John chapter 1. We'll take a look at verse 6 through 8. This is John the Baptist that's speaking about here. It says, Then came a man who was sent by God, and his name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to what? a witness to testify concerning the light. So that through him all men may believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John wasn't the light. He was just pointing to the light. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 14, says, You are... You are the light of the world. Why are we the light? Because if you're a believer in Christ, you have his light in you. He goes on to say this, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine sharing the gospel. Let it shine showing the gospel in you. Let it shine letting others see the good works that you do for the glory of God. Jesus' light shines in the darkness, and he wants it to shine through you and through me. Point people to Jesus. Point people to the way. There's a poem by an unknown author that says it this way. It's called, You Told Me of Jesus. When the voice of the Master is calling and the gates into heaven unfold and the saints of all the ages are gathering and are thronging into the city of gold, how my heart shall overflow with rapture if a brother shall greet me and say, You pointed my footsteps to heaven. You told me of Jesus the way. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? 
Jesus is the light. He shines in the darkness, and he wants to shine through you and me to point people to the light of Christ. Now, not only is Jesus the light of, the, light of life, the light revealed in all creation, he is also the light received for our salvation. Salvation. Salvation is not accomplished by our own efforts, by our own energy, by our own achievements. The only way you can receive it is as a gift by God's grace. By a, as a gift by God's grace. You have to allow the light of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the lordship of Christ to come into your life. And it's just like you would allow someone into your house. How do you allow someone into your house? you got to open the door. Amen? What did Jesus say? Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. Talking about the door of our heart. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and him with me. Jesus talking about fellowship. Letting Jesus in. If you're not a Christian yet, if you're not a believer in Christ yet, you have two options. You can reject him and keep the door closed. Or you can receive him and open the door. Let him in. If you keep the door closed, you remain in the dark. However, if you open the door and let him in, you're letting in the light of Christ, the light of Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life. The light of his fellowship, the light of his understanding, and the light of his salvation. The light of Christ. Jesus is the true light received as the truth. Let's look at verse 9. Interestingly, it says the true light. The true light that gives, he's the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The true light as opposed to the false light of Satan. What does the Bible say? Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That's a deception. That's the false light. Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the light of life. He is the light to every man. Well, you ask, somebody asks the question, what, what about the men who have never heard of Jesus? What about the people who have lived before Jesus? Do they have his light? You see, Jesus didn't just start shining his light when he was born in Bethlehem. Remember, he has existed from all eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, he's the light of all men. Jesus has always shown, 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, God is light. God is light. Jesus is light. Jesus has always shown his light to all men at all times. How does he do it? Well, the Bible tells us that creation itself, thank you, Casey. Casey's all got the answers over here. Creation itself shines the light of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. You want, want to write that down. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. The creation shines his light. 
Our very conscience shines a light. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Our very conscience. And there's enough light in creation, and there's enough light in our conscience to make us all accountable to the light we've been given. One theologian by the name of G.I. Packer says it this way. God will judge us all according to what we have done with the light we've been given. Everyone has been given light. The light of Christ shines. Look at this. Verse 4, one more time. Verse 4, it says, In him was a life, and the light, his life is a light of man. Verse 9, he is the true light that gives light to every man. Jesus is the light. He's always been the light. Musician Michael Card once said in an interview, again and again in China, I talk to people who have never heard of Christianity. Never heard of Jesus. Never heard a word of the Bible. Yet, through nature and their God-given conscience, Many believed in God. Not only did they believe God existed, they derived some understanding of his loving character because of the, he provided food, water, and a beautiful world. One old woman, he says, told me, I've known him for years. I just didn't know what his name was. <laughs> huh? Jesus is the light. And he shines to all men. At all times. Not only does he shine in creation, not only does he shine in our conscience, but most specifically, he shines the light in his word. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalms 119, 130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. See, the Word of God tells us about the Son of God who died to save us that, that we can become the children of God. The children of God and the children of light. You see, there's a responsibility once we become children of God. And that is we have to walk as children of light. We are to walk as children of light. Now, the Word of God Josh McDowell, when he uh, was on this quest, to, uh, he was determined to prove the Bible false. He was going to college, pre-law college, and there were some Christian students that were there as well. And they challenged him. They said, you say the Bible is false? Prove it. Prove it. So he took that, he took that challenge. And he went on a quest, and he, he went through the United States to Europe to Israel, and he compiled all of this information and all of this evidence. And as, we, as, we, as, as we've already said, he came to the conclusion <laughs> he was wrong, and the Bible is right. Now, Josh McDowell wrote his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It, Christianity Today said it, it says it's the 13th most influential evangelical book written since World War II. Evidence that demands a verdict. Incidentally, it is now available in a condensed, easy-to-read form in a little book called
called More Than a Carpenter. I highly recommend it to you. More Than a Carpenter. Little book. Evidences the Word of God. The Word of God. Jesus is the light. He's, his light is received for our salvation. Is received as the truth. And it is received by faith. Verse 10. Verse 10 tells us that Jesus came to the world, the very world he made, and the world received him not. Verse 11. He came to his own people, the, the nation that he was born into, and his own people received him not. But verse 12. Ah, verse 12. Verse 12 tells us, to all who will receive him, to all who will believe in him. Notice how it says, if you receive him, it says this. Let's take a look at it. All who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the power or the right to become children of God. To receive is to believe. It's the same thing. To receive Jesus is to open the door and to let him in, to let him lead you by his light and by his word. In allowing Jesus to come into your life, God allows you to come to into his family, his forever family of God. You receive him. And you participate in his spirit. You become born again. Look at verse 13. You become of a born again, not born of a human fa uh, father and mother. It says it this way. You become a child born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a human will, but you're born of God. You're born of the spirit of God. And you have his spirit, that means you belong to Christ. Romans 8, verse 9 says it this way. Whoever does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. The word receive. In Romans 12, to all who receive him, it means to partake, to share. And it is the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians 11, talking about the Lord's Supper, which we're going to partake of in just a bit. Uh, meaning to share in his spirit because you've received his spirit. John 6, 54, Jesus says this, whoever eats my flesh, whoever drinks my blood has eternal life. Now, Jesus was referring to his, his sacrifice on the cross because it's only by his death and only by his resurrection that we can have eternal life. To all who receive his spirit. John, John explains himself later on in verse 63 of John 6. And when he says it this way. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh has, does, accounts for nothing. It's the spirit. She's, you receive Christ. You receive his spirit. And he comes into you. And you partake of his life. You receive Christ by faith. Becoming a part of his family of faith just so that you can live by faith as a children of light. Children of light. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about what it means to be a child of light. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, it says this. Apostle Paul writing. 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. And then he goes on to tell us, what, the, what is the fruit of light? What is the fruit of light? We, you've heard the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of light? He, sa- he tells us in verse 9. The fruit of light consists of all goodness, of all righteousness, and all truth. That's the kind of people we're supposed to be. People of goodness, people of righteousness, people of truth. Children of light. Going on. Verse 10. And find out. Find out what pleases the Lord. In other words, seek to understand what pleases God. And live as children of light. Live as children of light. Jesus is the light of life. His light, receive his light. His light is received for our salvation, is received as truth, it's received by faith. Christ is the light of life. Josh McDowell found that out. He took a leap into the light. He found out that Jesus is the light. He is revealed in all creation because he existed before creation and he is the source of all creation. He's received as truth and he's the the light that shines in the darkness. He shines like he's shown the apostle to the apostle Paul to be a witness to others that lead him to the light, like he's shown to John the Baptist, like he's shown to you and me, that we can point people, point people to the light, to the light. He is the light uh, received for our salvation, received as truth, and will be judged by that truth. We'll be judged by the light we've been given. He's received by faith and we're born into his family to live as children of light. You know, a single candle can overcome an entire room of darkness. Did you know that? And we have a lot of darkness. We won't agree. We won't disagree with that. There's a lot of darkness around us. Amen? Let us be that candle of Christ that breaks through the darkness in someone else's life. And when they see that light of Christ in you and in me, let us pray that they open the door to let the light of Christ come in. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Father God, we thank you that you are light and that you sent us Jesus, who is the light. Jesus, who said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us the light to fellowship with you and to to know that we have eternal life. And thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for us on the cross. And you died for our sins. You rose again. And now you offer yourself to us. We simply have to receive you. Thank you, Lord, for your gift. In your name we pray.